Welcome back to Everything You Need Is Within, the Archive series, hosted by me, Gigi Robinson.
but if you could just push back like maybe a couple more a little bit a little bit further I, possible did i like end and come back or because i've never um, had this happen no now it's working now you're now you're here I, whatever okay. focal length that is it's like perfect but um okay yeah i i would say you know I've personally dealt with chronic illness as well. For me, my disability has been something that's been invisible to people. And obviously, we will always have haters. There's going to be people that are ableist that don't fully understand the, the capacity of what their words really mean to somebody with a disability, regardless of if you can see it, regardless of if you have a mobility aid or a brace or something like that on. So, um, one of the things that really caught my eye with your specific content is how you just handle your situation with such positivity and that you're not going to let your disability and your body be the thing that defines you. You're going to be this completely separate positive person that doesn't necessarily reflect the injury that you had. Um, but because of that injury, you're able to become this totally different incredible person so i would say where do you get your i guess inspiration and motivation to really like combat those those negative naysayers and the hate that comes along with having a disability or being wheelchair bound um well since my injury i've become very spiritual and you know i always said because of what happened to me it really I guess, opened my eyes to the fact that we aren't promised tomorrow. You know, right. on November 2014, realistically, and I'm sorry if this is triggering, I was supposed to lose my life. Mm -hmm. And I left my house not knowing that I'd never come back to it. I never went back to my old house. I since moved to a new one. And so knowing that, I, you know, I always said, I have to live life to the fullest, wheelchair or not, whether I walk because at the end of the day, I can only do so much about the situation that I was put in. Right. I'm doing the best that I possibly can and I can't change this. Yeah. So the only thing that I can do is persist. Whether I, I love that. Whether I like it or not, you know? Absolutely. And I know you're gonna get to this, but there's so many people that I've met. There's so many people that I've been in relationship with. Not so many, but people that do tell me they're uncomfortable by the wheelchair or you know, they feel uncomfortable by the fact that I'm always stared at or the fact that like people are always asking what happened to me, you know, complete strangers in public. Right. And that's just something I've gotten used to. It's something that's, I guess, second nature to me. I, I automatically, I know it's people, you know? Yeah. And I think, you know, in terms of if anybody is watching this and you are trying to understand a different perspective of somebody who is disabled or wheelchair bound or uses a mobility aid, just an FYI, it's none of your freaking business. Like we already deal yeah. with, <laughs> we deal with that every single day of people saying, oh, what's actually wrong with you? How did you get like this? How long has it been like this? Was it like this since the womb? Like that is none of their in business. The like places. Right. Supermarket. Hey, what happened? No. And I think if people started to approach people who I guess visibly have these mobility aids with them, I would say approach it with, if you're in a grocery store, Hey, do you, you know, need any assistance getting something from a shelf? Like that is a very 
um, I don't want to say progressive, but like it's a, it's a way that you can approach somebody who looks as though they might need help without kind of invading their personal life. There's no reason that you should do that. You would never go up to somebody and say, hey, what do you have for breakfast? Like randomly, like it's the same about <laughs> their mobility. And it's just absolutely ridiculous to me that because you look a certain way or because you talk a certain way or have a certain aid that people just assume it's okay to ask these insane questions. So, um, well, anybody, yeah, like, I Sometimes if I'm, let's say, crossing the street and I'm just waiting for, like, I guess the walking sign to come on, people think they're doing me a favor by grabbing onto my back handles. And right. put and it's like, you're a complete stranger. That's terrifying. I know you think you're helping me, but you're not. Right. Right. Yeah. Terrifying. Absolutely. I can't, I can't imagine that. Um, and even just every day, I know that there's definitely a stark distance difference between having you know being wheelchair bound like yourself and also someone like myself who has a chronic illness that's invisible so for me you know people are like nothing's wrong with you I get that kind of shit all the time and I'm like look people I've been dealing with this for 12 years of my life I still haven't found this this relief and this kind of um I guess pain relief this this cure I guess and I know for many people with disabilities and illness, there is no cure. It's like a lifelong thing. And that is, once you reach that point of understanding, which I can tell that you've, you've clearly done such a good job with, is understanding that there is only one way forward and it's to prevail and it's to educate with positivity. So I absolutely love that about your content and yeah. would love to hear your perspective on how you got there. Well. I believe I don't owe anybody an explanation for absolutely anything about the situation that I'm in. Right. And people have this sense of self-entitlement. Like you put yourself on social media. I demand to know why. Right. I'm for everything you're saying. No, you don't. Absolutely not. No, you do not. I am showing you what I choose to share to you. Mm -hmm. You can either watch or not. There are millions of other people on TikTok. And that's the attitude I go on with because initially I was so frustrated by the fact that so many people were like, I have one video where I was showing the light switch and how far it was. Yeah. And I was saying, and my wheelchair was so far away. They're like, oh yeah, if you were really wheelchair bound, then how'd you get into your bed if you're so far away? A wheelchair has wheels. <laughs> like, wheelchairs roll away. Like, I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand the logic of some people. Yeah, and something that I I love to say all the time is that somebody else's opinion of you is none of your business. And to all of those naysayers and those ableist shitheads, excuse my language, those are the kind of people that are never going to understand because, like you're saying, they're self entitled. They don't give a crap that you're disabled. They're only trying to tell you that you're not. And there's, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous um, to, to deal with all the time. And um, somebody in the chat over here just said, like, at any moment, how would you just put someone in their place? Do you put people in their place? You know, when somebody says something disrespectful to you, are you like, um, hello, that was not cool. 
You know, I actually can't even, I can't even see the chat. It only says there's one. Oh. That normal? Okay. Oh my gosh, no, I have, I have like a bunch, I have the chat and I also have the little eyeballs. It, there's like 85, 100 people on right now. I have no idea. Yeah. Okay. Well, basically I will relay the question that okay. it's basically like, do you put people in their place when they say something disrespectful or they come at you with an ableist perspective? Um, Initially, when I was first injured, I felt like I was obligated to tell people what was wrong with me. Right. Strangers, anybody, anybody that would ask, I would tell them the full story because I just felt like the world needed to know. But now I feel like it's a complete invasion of my privacy because over the years, I've realized what my worth is. And I'm more than just a person that's in a wheelchair. I'm still a human being with feelings. And if I don't feel comfortable talking about my trauma, don't use it as a conversation starter. Don't. hundred percent. I love that. No way to initiate conversation. Right. That is, I love that because there's honestly no, there's no other explanation. There's no other way to really go about it. You don't just go up to somebody and say, Hey, I've seen this content of you on social media. Can you give me like more information? Like, absolutely not. That's not what you're necessarily here to talk about. You're this like badass 22 year old woman, like living in Jersey, living in New York. And you have so much more to you than your identity that you share on social media and that is something that I have been thinking about so much and why I wanted to talk um, on Instagram live to you and build this series because too many people I found really associate their image of what they put out online or what other people put out online with their worth and you have just said that it comes from within. And that took, I'm sure, a lot of inner work and a lot of frustrating times and a lot of learning. So um, yeah, I just wanted to point that out. I think it's amazing. You're doing like incredible. Um, And I know that we briefly mentioned it and you have made a couple of videos about this and getting intimate and getting into relationships. And I wanted to briefly talk about that because there's a couple more challenges that disabled folk have when it comes to dating. And I'm, I'm wondering what your experience is, if you're open to sharing it. Um, I, yeah. Like what's been your experience um, with some dudes? Cause yeah, I'm just well, curious. Firstly, I want to answer the last person's question. Mm-hmm. We'll answer it. When yeah. I, I guess when you say, when I put people in their place, yeah. I don't, put anyone in a position where they feel bad for asking but I do say it's something very personal to me and I just don't feel comfortable talking about it yeah I feel like if you kill them with kindness or if you just if you could be the person to tell them that then they'll know to not do that if they see another wheelchair user they'll know a wheelchair user told me this one so I'm not going to do that again absolutely that question yeah Um, if my relationship life has been difficult, is what you're asking? A hundred percent. hundred percent. Um, culturally, I come, I come from a culture that doesn't really do boyfriends. Mm -hmm. We really prioritize engagement and it also has to do with my religion because I'm Muslim. Um, so every relationship that I've gone into, I've gone into with the intention of marriage. Like we have the talking phase. We do. And in my talking phases, um, my last one lasted about four to five years, you could say. Uh, 
it was very on and off, very on and off. But I see the pattern in every relationship. Mm -hmm. Most guys, see, initially with my first relationship, I never thought that I'd have to give warnings or I'd have to give even more in-depth explanations before we initiate. Right. But once I realized, okay, this wasn't working out, because he told me, like, I can't handle the wheelchair. I said, okay, fine. And what I realized over time is that I, as a wheelchair user, I can't blame somebody for not being able to handle me. And I can't blame them for realizing that later. Right. Because initially, it's emasculating when you tell I don't think you can handle someone like me because a guy automatically, cause you know, men, they're, they're go-getters yeah. when they want, they don't stop. And I don't mean that in like a, like a predator kind of way, but I mean that in a way where like, if they want a girl, they're going to pursue her. Right. And in my sense, when they wanted to pursue me, they're like, don't tell me I can't handle you. I can handle you. Right. But then as weeks upon months upon years go by, they realize, I don't really know what I was getting myself into because they see the difficulties that come with it. And that's not something that you see in a week's period. That's not something that you see in a month. That's something that you see after spending time with somebody. Yeah. And I could just, even with my last relationship, I was supposed to get married. I was. Mm-hmm. Um, plans for that. We were very serious about it. And it just so happened that one day he just broke down. He just broke down. Front of me. He's like, I had no idea how I was supposed to tell you. I didn't have a way of telling you. It's been eating at me, but it's also killing me because I'm so in love with you, but I just can't handle you. I don't want, I don't want the responsibility of you because being with a wheelchair user takes responsibility. Essentially, even though I don't like the term caregiver, to right. a degree, to a minimal degree, you kind of have to be one. Kind yeah. of. And, and you're with somebody. I mean, that's why a lot of the times we'll hear that when you're marrying someone, it's in sickness and in health. And that health yeah. and sickness element of it is so present for anybody who is within our community. And I feel, you know, there's, I, I can't imagine that I've never been in like a serious long-term relationship. So I don't understand fully the capacity at how somebody could say that they love you and that's why they're leaving you and say, you know, that I can't handle your illness, but I love everything about you. It's just like a slap in the face. And um, it's the middle. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. It's like, um, yeah, you're, you're great and all, except I don't like this one thing about you. And that is just, it's infuriating. And I don't know why. A guy would ever do that besides the fact that he's like a total shithead again excuse my language but that it's not even a guy though it's a pattern mean right. you know a lot of people can't handle it they can't and i've done the same with like even minimally like talking to guys and i've done it two ways both ways again they did end in that same pattern which i find very um I don't want to say like it's settling, but it gives me a little bit of like comfort knowing that somebody else kind of deals with it in the same way. And I've seen this pattern as well, because I've said upfront, like first time ever going out with a guy, Hey, like, by the way, I suffer from chronic illness. Not sure if you check my social media, but it's a pretty big part of my life. And then I've also been like, 
quiet about it until I felt open enough. And again, they ended with, I don't see it long term. I'm not in it to take care of you. I don't want to deal with medical bills and expenses. And that is like, wow, absolutely infuriating to hear from somebody. Wow. And I don't know, I would, I would encourage those men and to any man listening, and honestly, to anybody who wants to get into a relationship with somebody who is disabled, uses mobility aid, um, or has any kind of condition, even mental health issues, right? Any kind of person dealing with anything, honestly, you know, somebody in your life, you have to know somebody who deals with mental health, who deals with a physical disability, um, who deals with, you know, emotional traumas and disabilities. Like there are so many different realms where we can work on understanding other people better. And I would say, again, to anybody looking to get into a relationship with or who finds themselves getting into a relationship with somebody um, in our community would just be to approach it with kindness. And I think questions are warranted, but also like, you can do research. Like, it's not like there's nothing on the internet. <laughs> um, it's not like we're living in times yeah. where all we have is books. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I don't know. I just feel like typically uh, because people see my situation, I don't get guys that want me for one intention. You know what that one intention is. Right. When they see me, they know not to use me for that. Or at least I hope, you know, um, they're kind enough to not want to initiate that. But it's, it's something I think I'll always face difficulty in. I think finding a significant other, not only that, but I, I fear, you know, taking the role of a mother. Mm -hmm. I fear the role of a wife. And I I hate gender roles. I hate them more than anything. But realistically, they're there. Yeah. And, you know, what do I, as a paraplegic, as a wheelchair user, how, how can I run after a screaming child? How can I change it with ease? You know, th- these are things that keep me up at night. I can't imagine, I guess, my male counterpart doing those things. You know? Right. Yeah, but- I, I too think about that. And I, I would say that that's probably the, uh, like, the motherly instinct that's just like ingrained in us as females and that as women yeah like as women we want to be that mother figure we want to be able to bear children we want to be able to take care of them and do that but physically um i've i've recently come across this um in my my own personal development and growth is like if you don't put your health first and if you don't focus on that you can't move past that and you can't do that inner work that you need to do to eventually reach that point i'm 22 years old you're 22 years old i don't know where you are in terms of your like interest or journey and you know starting a family becoming a mother i know for me like i've had these thoughts like oh my god what if i pass this my chronic illness my genetic disorder onto this child like that would break my heart and and also just how how sick is bearing a child going to make me and caring for a child going to make me when I can barely take care of myself? So it's it's definitely something that I don't think, I don't want to say normal, but able-bodied people don't think about, I'd yeah. imagine. Yeah, and you know, I, 
it's like in casual conversation, or at least it's casual for them, that people ask, hey, can you have kids? Right. Do you get a period? And not like you're asking me questions that are not only personal and not only aren't supposed to be brought up in typical conversation, but you're asking me questions that I don't entirely have the answer to. I know I can bear children, I can conceive children, right. but when that comes, I don't know. I really, I've never tried. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's such an invasion of your privacy too. Like, who are you to just, you know, like ask all of these questions? It's just, I find it so ridiculous um, yeah. as well that people just approach you with the with the entitlement of I deserve to know like exactly I'm sorry <laughs> before social excuse me before social media like did you deserve to know everything about my life absolutely not do you deserve to now absolutely not so um I wanted to move into one other I guess aspect of sharing your story yeah. and how you've used social media to really educate and be a place kind of where other people can start to understand little bits of your everyday life, aside from the hate, aside from all that backlash, because those kind of people, they're, just, they're trolls. We know that. But how, you know, how, what inspired you to just get there? Well, to be honest, I only downloaded TikTok for fun. I was like, I'm just going to download this. There's funny things on it, whatever. Until I came across a story one day of a girl that shared something very personal about her life. And then I thought, why don't I share what happened to me? And then I literally overnight got 20,000 followers. I was like, what? Mm -hmm. I held my phone. I was like, what is this? The next day I had 50K. Next day, 100K. And then it just continuously kept growing. So it just goes to show, I... I had no idea I was going to go viral. I had no idea I was going to receive the recognition that I didn't download TikTok with the intent of achieving that. Right. But so many people were so invested in my life as a paraplegic is actually what motivated me. And it's people, okay, people see, okay, you have millions and millions of views. Yeah, I do. But before I went viral, I didn't. And there are people that were there before I went viral that saw my life as a paraplegic. They saw the videos that I was posting and they said, that's so interesting. And you know, I was actually, which I still plan on doing, I was in New York City yesterday and there's that big red staircase smacking where, you know, something not wheelchair accessible. I wanted to make a video and I wanted to show people, I can't go up that staircase even if I wanted to. Yeah. And Times Square is not, Times Square, they can afford to have a ramp just on the side of the staircase. And Absolutely. it's not for the elderly, it's for women with baby strollers. Mm -hmm. They could have that. Yeah. And it's such a big touristic area that receives a lot of tourists, a lot of people, a lot of people take pictures in front of it. Why take away my privilege to take a picture in front of it? Why? Because I'm a wheelchair user? That's not fair. Right. I thought that was something that should go on TikTok, but unfortunately yesterday uh, it was closed off. I don't know why. Do you know why? It's probably because of the inauguration and a lot of things going on with the social <laughs> yeah. unrest. 
Um, it's probably just a precautionary measure, but I, I would just they love to echo that yeah. point that you just made in that those, there's certain things that even though they're iconic, even though they are, you know, something that is, um, has been a very visual landmark in New York City or all around the world, we need to have these conversations where that is, like I honestly I wish I had thought of that before because I I always thought like oh like I'd only visited when I wasn't in crutches or like had a brace on and couldn't walk up there so I've never thought of that but it it, it actually infuriates me my building um I live in an apartment building in the Bronx and it's not wheelchair accessible unless you like go to this side entrance and I feel like in 2021 you should be able to get anywhere no matter your physical circumstance um, and no matter your mobility mode. And that is so infuriating. We should call on, you know, I have some friends over at Today Tick, so maybe we can, maybe we can tap them and say, Hey, um, you guys should really work on this because that it's, there's more places than you guys might think that are not wheelchair accessible and that are not, friendly to elderly people and yeah. to people that have difficulties walking. So um, I love that. But I would also just say, like, whenever you can, like, expose those things. Those are the, those are the reasons why we fall under this, like, one streamlined approach to life in terms of the disabled people go over here and the able-bodied people go over here and they're able to live this quality of life and they're able to not. And that is messed, messed up. <laughs> um, and I, there's, there's nothing that infuriates me more because technically, technically, New York City is deemed as wheelchair accessible because they have the flat, um, they have the flat, what's it called? The things next to the curb, like the ramp, the small little, the dip, the dips. Yeah. <laughs> they have the, they have the dips. Okay, so they have it so that wheelchair users can maneuver in New York City. But keep in mind, New York City is all buildings, complexes, apartments. Not all of them have elevators. I yep. can't easily just go to New York and go to any restaurant I want to, any place I want to go to. If they don't have an elevator, I can't go. Right. Period. And New York City is this the city of dreams that you see on TV. It's not a dream for me, <laughs> you know, Absolutely. for you. It's beautiful. It has the beautiful lights and everything, but it's not beautiful for everyone. Right. I think that's one point that a lot of people don't understand. And it's Absolutely. not just New York city. It's everywhere. It's Absolutely. everywhere. It doesn't, you know, I, this woman was not a comment. It was a DM. This woman was telling me, I'm actually in the process of opening my own salon, a uh, hair salon. And the decor that I had in mind was like a spin staircase. But after watching your TikToks, I no longer want that staircase. I don't even want to put it in my salon. Right. And it just, there's nothing that I guess warmed my heart more than knowing that I left an impact on somebody that I probably won't be affected by but she thought about me and other people that could also be in my potential position. And so, yeah, it's just little things. You know, you, you make TikToks and you upload them and you do too, you upload videos. 
but you don't know who you're going to impact. You don't. Like here, this woman changed her entire salon's decor after watching my TikTok, you know? A hundred percent. And something that is so important about advocacy work that, again, I admire the way that you do it so much is Thank you. because you, you don't know who is going to see it and you don't know whose day might get better or whose life may literally change because they're seeing something that they never were seeing before. And that is why I think it is so important, no matter what kind of realm of activism or advocacy work or allyship work that you're doing in general to anybody watching it's, it's why you have to continue working because you never know who can benefit from your experience. I always Back. like to think about the way that your experience, like you said before, is just another lesson, good or bad, um, ugly or pretty, you know, it's an experience that you have under your belt and you have the opportunity to share it with people to hopefully impact their life in a positive way. So that was like, you know, what you just said was so eye-opening, and I really think that the world can do a lot better in terms of being more accommodating to all kinds of bodies. Um, so I, I really do love that. I wanted to also leave the floor open for, you know, any other kind of conversations you wanted to have last minute. Um, I know we've been talking for, like, about 45 minutes already, but... <laughs> if you wanted to go like go any which way now would be like the time to just kind of like even if we want to brighten up the mood a little and, and talk yeah. about just like things that we do whatever you whatever you want to do I'm thinking you know um I would say what do you think TikTok or social media could do better to help it be more of an inclusive space. I know that, you know, with video consumption and photos, things are not always as they seem, which is exactly what we were talking about before. But what can they do in terms of accessibility that could really help um, people? Um, well, firstly, TikTok, I think, personally, is a very sensitive app. You can violate community guidelines so easily, so easily. Mm -hmm. And I've videos get taken down especially the one where i was talking about a paraplegic sexual right. reproductive uh-huh TikTok said i was promoting sexual behavior but how because you know there's something i always mention and it's that in primary school and in middle school there's this deep and centralized focus on sexual health and i 100 percent believe in you know 13 14 year olds getting sex out but they don't get sex ed for everyone right they don't about the sexual reproductive system of a disabled woman i was never taught about transgenders transvestites i i never i feel like to be honest i feel like there was so much more of a focus on personal sexual health and like, the male gaze not to mention that like <laughs> pleasuring um learning about things that you shouldn't be learning at 12 years old in my opinion i don't think any 12 year old should be learning about self not at that age right no that's more of a high school i think yeah. a high school is a, an appropriate time to learn about it and i also would love to just echo the fact that 
one, it's, it's nobody else's business, but to understand and to start to change those perspectives, especially with somebody who may be getting into a relationship with somebody that is in a marginalized community, again, that could be whether you are exploring your sexuality, that could be whether you're getting in a relationship with somebody who is identifying as transgender or identifies as disabled or paraplegic, like you're saying, like they never made differences. Right. And that it's, it comes down to our education system and it a hundred percent needs to continue to evolve and to change. And, um, that is, that is, truthfully why I think we have this this construct with men where they specifically think that we are there for them and like they're not necessarily there like to be there for us and that is where it gets really confusing for people like yourself and like me when somebody says I like you but I don't like you enough because you're sick or because you're disabled Right. And that's because they were taught this is how it's supposed to work. And that is the one way that it's supposed to work. That is the way that, you know, whoever the man in the sky is that, you know, decides our fate um, and and gives us faith that, like, we're going to keep living on these, you know, day to day. Like, it all comes down to our educational system. I was about people with disabilities. Never. Right. For you? No, absolutely not. In New York City, too. I went to public school in New York City. I went to public school in Jersey. Yeah. So. And yeah. my sex ed revolved around, this is how you put on a condom. This At 12 years old. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, think, I think the sex ed class was like high school probably. I don't remember if I necessarily had it in middle school too full-blown, but it, it was like. Oh, it was full-blown. For, for me in middle school, I, even if we're just veering away from that really quickly I'm having like a vivid flashback but I had cast on my leg because I broke my ankle and it was this whole thing and it lasted for months because my condition it makes my body like really difficult to heal so it took me like seven or eight months to just get out of the cast and I was wearing this cast and then once I went on um and had to use a rolling backpack there was you know bunch of people when it's when you're middle school they're not told that like oh a wheeling backpack is just a mobility you know issue like if I were to put it on my back I would have put strain on my ankle which would have made the healing process take longer and I definitely felt like I was not understood and that everyone was looking at me and saying oh like she's a cripple like I was called a cripple gimpy like things like that and I mean we're 22 years old this wasn't that long ago this was like 10 years ago in the mid mid 10s 2010s and I remember yeah it, it was infuriating and that's a part of like our educational experience where hopefully nowadays kids are growing up saying oh okay I'm gonna consume a book about somebody who's disabled so maybe I can understand in the future if I do have a friend who has a chronic illness or is disabled, I can understand a little bit about their struggles day to day and how picking up a backpack or brushing your teeth or even taking a shower is difficult and different. Um, And I would love, really, really love to start seeing that across media as well. You know, I don't want to necessarily see Jennifer Aniston washing her hair on television. I want to see somebody... 
Yeah. I want to see somebody who is, you know, maybe they have a, a part of their body paralyzed like yourself. I want to see their experience of how do I wash my hair? It's okay to see you getting that help and getting assistance from somebody because that is an experience that so many other people have that we are taught to think is wrong or not necessarily wrong, but that it's not common. And that's actually, I've seen yeah. that American Eagle has been a very good advocate for disabled. Yeah. Especially yeah. disabled. They don't yeah. up, they keep stretch marks, they keep. Mm -hmm. And I've actually seen some wheelchair users um, advertise their underwear. They have underwear with clips on the side. So that's that amazing. You don't have to pull down and pull up. You could just right. clip and clip off. And I thought, wow, like I'm buying 10, you know, like, yeah, little, little things. If Absolutely. That, could you imagine? Could you imagine? It, it blows my mind too how jaded other people are to this. Like, I, I feel like every single person has to have somebody, whether they're an elder in their family or someone that struggles with mental health or disability, like you're going to know somebody who might need this product. So come on guys, like let's educate ourselves. Let's, let's start demanding that from, right. It's not, not anywhere near enough. And it, it just overall, I think comes from that one streamlined approach to like life and living it ableist, living it honestly, like pretty, racist at this point in in our education system I feel like I just want to have more exposure for a variety of communities and representation in media books advertising marketing what a lot of people are missing is that this they could easily be put in the same position oh yeah look at me I used to be able-bodied mm -hmm. had that day never happened or the events or the series of events of that day, I would be walking. I didn't know I was ever going to be put in this situation. Right. And obviously you weren't born with chronic illness. You had mm -hmm. quote unquote normal childhood. Yeah. You don't these things to happen until they happen to you. Right. But I feel like so many people think they're so invincible. Yeah. You know, people, you're not. People do. And that's something I don't want to necessarily bring the pandemic into it, but I'm gonna because it's made a lot of us do this self-reflection and realizing that we we don't necessarily know what tomorrow holds. We don't know how this thing's gonna mutate. We don't know how we're gonna have to change our, our mode of life besides just staying inside all the time, which by the way, be nice to your friends, everyone who's watching. If anybody is immunocompromised, be kind to them. Know, know that they need extra help and they need you to be safe and they need you to be considerate to them because it's been hard for sure. Um, and one thing I wanted to also maybe end on on that is how have you dealt with friendship um, and friends that maybe you didn't think would be ableist were or um, how you've been able to kind of foster these relationships with friends over the years? I could talk about it for hours, to be honest, but to keep it concise, I've had people tell me they couldn't talk to me because the wheelchair made them feel weird. I've had people tell me, you know, Jess, this is too much for me. I can't handle it. Same thing that the people in my past relationships have told me. Right. Um, my best friend of nine years, who I love dearly and deeply, she told me, she's like, initially, I didn't even think 
it was true. I didn't even think like you were really paralyzed. Like I thought you were gonna get out of it and that would be it. But it's just because she genuinely didn't know. You know, and I don't blame her for it, but it's just it's such a common thing. And to this day, I could tell you, because of what happened to me, I've been very reclusive. I've been very cynical. I don't distrust any Joe Schmo. If people approach me, I, in a sense, come off as unapproachable. Right. Because it's really hard for me to let people in. It's really hard for me to, I guess, put myself in a position where I could be hurt again. Right. I don't want and so that's why, honestly, I could count my fingers, uh, my fingers, my friends on my fingers. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to have all these friends that I am acquainted with that genuinely don't even care about me. My friend of nine years that I just told you about, this girl carries me into her car with her two arms. Mm-hmm. No problem at all. I don't know many people that would do that. I have a, a male friend. His name is Connor, who would also do the same exact thing reassemble, disassemble my wheelchair, carry me, carry me out of the car. No problem at all. Why? Because they're just genuine people. Right. And people like that are so hard to come across. And I've had so many people cut me off, disappear. When I was in rehab, who called me? Absolutely no one. The people I thought were my friends weren't my friends. Nobody cared about me. Yeah. And now all of a sudden they see the follower count. Now all of a sudden they, they want a piece of it. Hey, Jess, it's been years. Yeah, and I don't forget how you used to treat me. Absolutely, and I just want to thank you for being so transparent and, like, open and vulnerable in this conversation because it is hard to honestly confront those friends and those moments of of relationships where you realize, oh, they were just a fair-weather friend. They're not there to necessarily be my friend when I'm sick. They're only there when in life we're at the high they're not there for the low regardless of how you got to that low and that Mm -hmm. is just it's infuriating but it happens more than you think and I would love to obviously continue a conversation further with you I'm sure I'm so blessed to like be able to connect with you through social media now and I can't wait to talk with you more but with friendship it is so important to realize that people will let you know when they're your friend and when they're not regardless of your circumstance they will make it present and they will let you know like when I was in the hospital last year I had a friend and we're not friends anymore because she was like it was too much you're you're being selfish you're being selfish and I was like sis (laughs) I'm sorry I I didn't choose to be here yeah yeah, about me taking care of my health when she said she was going to be there and be my friend. And it was infuriating, but it was a moment where I said, you know what, I could choose to be mad about this or back to the relationship thing, um, or I guess like the intimate relationship element of it is like, I would rather know now at my low point that this person is never going to ever step up to the plate to be that rock for me to be my best friend. I would rather know now than in 10 years when some weird shit happens and all of a sudden they're, they disappear because they never made it, it true. So also just listen, listen to your gut. Like, you know, when, when there's going to be the people and I too could count the people on my finger who I, I consider best friends and probably it's like that, that 
thing where as you go on, like your circle gets smaller and it's not a bad thing. It's really what helps you evolve. And I've said this before on podcast episodes I've been featured on, but evolving involves eliminating and you have to eliminate those people and those elements in your life. You know, you could relate that to anything, but you have to do that to progress in a positive way, I think, especially when it comes to, to putting something like your health um, there. But yeah, I just, this has been an incredible conversation. Again, I can't wait to continue to talk to you on social media. Um, I know we've been talking for like an hour. So it's, like, it's absolutely crazy, but thank you so much. It was, again, an honor to meet you. I'm so blessed and excited to continue to watch you grow. It was an honor meeting you too. Yeah, Honestly. and I, I hope. Oh my gosh, my phone. That happens. Um, <laughs> I would say when it's safe for both of us, because I know we both got to be careful with the pandemic. Like, let's hang out in the city. Like, if it's not too far, I'm like right up a river away. I could just hop over there, um, and we can <laughs> hang out, make some content together, and continue sharing this message with people and hopefully changing their perspectives and just giving them some, some reality in their everyday. I would want, I would Yay. want nothing more. Yay. I wish I could give you a hug. To this point, I haven't seen any comments and it only says there's one viewer. I haven't seen anything. I haven't no, seen we have had tons of viewers, like hundreds of people. So it's been amazing. Everyone's saying how, um, how much they, you know, love this and that they needed to hear everything. We're all inspirational. There's a lot of comments in Arabic, I'm assuming. They come from your followers. Um, yeah. So a lot of people are here. I'm going to save this and then post it over on my IGTV. You guys, make sure you follow Jess. Um, her handle is Jess Towel. Am I saying that right? The wheel. Yeah. The wheel. Okay. Just the wheel. You guys can find her. Um, I will obviously link her in this video, but if you don't already follow her, go do it. She's absolutely incredible. And can't wait to see you guys on our next episode. Bye, Jess. Of course. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to Everything You Need Is Within the Archive series. I hope that you found value and I hope that you leave us a review or send us a message about what you thought of the show.